You're listening to Tap into the Truth. My name's Joe Biden. All of this, as more than half of Americans think President Biden will go down as one of the worst presidents in American history. I keep forgetting I'm president. so tired of trickle-down economics. And I never found that trickle-down on top of my head very much. I was listed, I was had the great pleasure of being listed as the poorest man in Congress for 36 years. I still had making a hell of a lot more money than anybody else because I was getting a senator's salary. No kidding. I didn't think you should make money while you're in office. So the way I'd like to look at this, because this debate around curating content is not unique to Twitter. This is a problem for all social media platforms. And over the last decade, almost 10 years, this company's been public. And if you compare its performance, let's talk about investors. This is the most miserable investment you could have put your dollars into in social media. It has totally lagged all its other competitors, never grew anywhere near as fast as Google or Facebook or Instagram or even TikTok that just cleaned it out almost right away in a matter of months you have to ask yourself, the, the rotating suite of executives have come through this thing, and all the stock options issued over the last nine years have created virtually no value for the shareholder. Now, the best way to look at this is, you gave them a decade, why not get the whacking stick out and just start all over again? And that's what Elon Musk is proposing. The biggest risk for shareholders here, whether you believe in the free speech issue or not, is if Musk goes away. Then they're back in the same miserable place they are now. You know, there's Dante's hell. At the very bottom of that is Twitter. This has been a horrific place to try and grow a business. It needs change. It needs the whacking stick. It needs everybody cleaned out of there. And I think, frankly, if you ask me about free speech and who should be canceled, who's not, the reason this thing is underperformed is they've tried to do this curation by canceling voices and losing millions of followers. I think everyone here recognizes how extraordinary space is. Whether it is satellites that orbit the Earth, humans that land on the moon, or telescopes that peer into the furthest reaches of the universe. Space is exciting. It spurs our imaginations, and it forces us to ask big questions. Space, it affects us all, and it connects us all. There are so many opportunities in space for our country and for all of humanity, from science to commerce to national security. Say is in a crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people try to cross the border. And politicians build a new world order. 
minds are convinced they should be led. I've got a big free the way God made men, and I won't be ruled by the damn wet. Taking your right to self-defense. They say you're safe, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn in the guns. Always ask people. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've gotta be free. Welcome to today's broadcast of Tap Into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, and I'm coming to you from historic Roan County, Tennessee, and I continue to give credit to the entire county because I've got strong ties to each and every part of it, and hey, it's... It's a great little place, all in all. Or at least I think so. Uh, like a lot of other places, we've got our issues here and there. But overall, not a bad place to be. Especially when the weather is as nice as it was today. My, 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 these are the days that are just totally awesome. Just a little over 70 degrees, the sun was shining. Uh, not hot, not cool, just right. All right, uh, of course, for those of you that are listening to the... Uh, radio rebroadcast on terrestrial radio. Uh, it might behoove you to know that today is uh, one of Elon Musk's favorite days of the year. It is 420. That's right. It is April the 20th, 2022. And I am literally, from the traditional schedule, two broadcasts behind. And uh, part of that was... You know, deciding to take Easter off for the first time since I started doing the show. And then the Tuesday night broadcast, which I was all set and ready to go. Uh, I actually had scheduled some guests and, and I was going to, to get those conversations in line. And then we were going to do the whole kit and caboodle. And, uh, well, as has often been the case for me when I just get everything going just the way I like it. 
bam, technical issues hit. I wasn't able to maintain the phone call conversations. My internet service provider was dropping my upload speed. So while I could download at wicked fast, uh, it created a latency gap that was too large to even allow Skype to continue to uh, hold a connection. So uh, it kind of threw a big old monkey wrench in the scenario. So I'm currently in the process of trying to figure out a good way to work around that particular issue, and I'll kind of go from there as time allows. But, uh, you know, I've got to work on a better system is what it comes down to. And so I'll be doing that. Going to try to tweak some of the equipment, maybe even get some new equipment in here. And a very strongly worded phone call did occur with my internet service provider because that type of a gap, it's ridiculous. And evidently, it wasn't just here. There was a huge gap going on, uh, complete and total down of both internet and uh, cable service from the provider that I use for this area. And it was so bad that they didn't officially correct all the issues until about 3.30 today. Again, on the 20th, the issue started on the 19th. So what do you got to do? Anyway, there was a lot of things that has transpired since we got together. Uh, One of the crazy things, and we'll talk a little bit about it here in a bit, was uh, I had actually mentioned by name for the first time on air uh, the Twitter account Libs of TikTok. Now, other folks have been mentioning them for a while, and I've been following them for a bit, and you've even heard some of these sound bites that I've started playing at the uh, intro part of the show uh, clearly have come from the Libs of TikTok uh, bit, but so I went ahead and mentioned them for the first time trying to promote them, and bam, <laughs> all of a sudden, all crap breaks loose. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. Some of the stories that I had planned on talking to you about uh, this past Sunday on Easter, we were going to talk about uh, the battle with Elon Musk and Twitter continuing. And as that was going on, the Biden DOJ, along with the SEC, were planning on uh, doing these full-blown investigations into Elon. A coordinated effort from our government, from the federal government, to try and throw a further monkey wrench into Elon Musk just because he's trying to to do a little something with Twitter? My, my, my. We were going to talk a little bit about uh, Florida rejecting uh, several math books uh, with the understanding that when it comes to education in the state of Florida— Ron DeSantis and company has decided that they want the teachers in the math classrooms to be teaching students how to, you know, do things like math instead of worrying about the social impact of expecting students of color to be able to get the correct answer when doing math. Uh, In other words, they want to get back to education instead of indoctrination. There was also a story about 210,000 illegal migrants arrested in the month of March, along with ICE being forced to waste tons and tons of taxpayer dollars on hotels for a lot of these folks that were being processed. 
Along with that, we've had a few other things break since then as well. Uh, things that we probably would have talked about was the the call moving forward that, uh, again, Ron DeSantis and company uh, wanted to change the Florida's special legislative session, uh, add to the itinerary, because they were getting together to discuss the changing of the congressional maps, and they still went ahead and did that. But then he also wanted to put on the agenda, well, a revoking of special privileges that have been offered to the Disney company for a long, long time. And I did get a bit of humor as I saw that there was a discussion ongoing uh, with Chuck Todd and company. He's one of his guests was uh, just talking about how there's no way that the the lawmakers in Florida are going to go after them. That, of course, happened today. And uh, it was just a few moments later that the announcement had been made. They Well, actually, it was a few minutes before that, but she hadn't been updated. Chuck Todd got the uh, whisper in his ear, so he made the announcement while they were on air. Say, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, the Florida State Senate has just voted to do away with those special privileges. So uh, now uh, in the state of Florida, it's up to the House now to uh, determine whether or not they're going to proceed with that. And the one thing that this ill-informed individual uh, hanging out with Chuck Todd didn't realize, because she was all about, my money's on the the lobbyist. These people aren't going to go after Disney. She was thinking in terms of the amount of money that Disney in previous years has contributing to to politicians and, and their campaigns. And in fact, there are a lot of state level and then eventually transition to representing the state of Florida at the federal level offices, uh, these office holders who have their entire campaigns financed through, well, uh, having a lot to do with the Disney company. But you see, this funny thing happened as part of their big push to try to protect the groomers. And uh, groomer is an appropriate word, by the way, uh, because they are grooming these children. And the idea is to groom the children into a new political thought process. And, And so the word works. The left gets all upset about it, which is also part of why I want to use it. But it is technically the correct word to use. Anyway, uh, part of the the push for Disney to try and help the groomers uh, continue to groom and sexualize kindergartners through third graders, they promised that they would no longer be contributing to politicians' campaigns. So... Where did the leverage go? Bye-bye. There it goes, fluttering right out the window. See you, leverage. At that point, the the, uh, the majority, both in the Senate that passed this, over at the House that's expected to pass it, and in the governor's office, uh, Ron DeSantis already making it clear, you want to wade into these waters and you want to interfere with governmental business, then, uh, well, the phrase play stupid games, win stupid prizes, mean anything to anyone? Because that's kind of what's happening here. And it looks like it's going to be a done deal. Uh, We'll probably uh, talk a little bit more about that uh, here in a bit as well. But uh, before that, I 
I really did want to spend a little bit of time uh, on what would have been yesterday's show talking about how kind of sad it is that one of the most talked about news stories of the day really shouldn't even have been a news story, but it becomes one because of who was actually involved and why it had to happen. And of course, I'm talking about the infamous Joe Biden being wrangled at the Easter egg roll by the Easter Bunny. Yeah, I mean, it, we we do have to kind of talk about it. If you haven't seen the video footage of it yet, then you really need to go find uh, some footage. It's You can find it just about anywhere. Uh, just hop on YouTube and just ask about Easter Bunny uh, <laughs> wrangling uh, Joe Biden. Uh, that'll probably get you plenty of footage, along with uh, some quality audio, where it's made clear that the reason... The Easter Bunny had to come to Joe Biden's rescue. It was because he had been lured into a conversation about foreign policy with a group of reporters. No, 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 we're, we're, I'm going to need you over here, says the Easter Bunny, which actually just kind of came over and tapped him and didn't really say anything because they were trying to keep secret who was in the Easter Bunny costume, evidently. Although they wanted to keep it secret so they could have a reveal later for social media. It turns out it was uh, one of the ladies that works in the uh, messaging sector of the uh, White House's uh, media corps. Uh, one of the – actually, one of the fairly higher-up folks. I forget her name, and I don't have it here in front of me. Uh, but again, that's pretty easy to find out too. Although I've seen some very, very creative photoshopping that uh, has the bunny's head coming off. I understand this is an Easter Bunny costume for any small children that might be listening. It was someone dressed up as the Easter Bunny, okay, boys and girls? Just in case, I don't want to scare the kids. Okay, so with lifting the head off of the Easter Bunny uh, costume, uh, and showing Barack Obama there. So that was uh, very who whoever which one of you guys out there did that? Kudos to you because it was actually a, an extremely well done Photoshop too. It, it looked very realistic. All right. So with that said, I, I do have to comment on the fact of how sad it is that this is a story at all. You can hear in the audio that the question of Afghanistan had been raised. And that's one of the few things that you can clearly hear uh, Biden in his response go. And, and this was not a great outing for Joe by any means. Uh, being wrangled by the Easter Bunny uh, was not the worst thing that happened to Joe during this uh, event. Uh, he was uh, told uh, by his wife uh, that uh, he, <laughs> he was going to have to stand still and then wave because, you know, he wasn't done yet. Don't go roaming off because, you know, that's where Joe's at. He He's at that point where if the meds aren't kicking in at a particular moment, he just likes to kind of shuffle off and wander around and see if he can find some pudding or maybe some of that chocolate chip mint ice cream he likes so much. And that that's what motivates Joe Biden these days. He has those moments, right? He has those moments where he's still got some clarity, but it comes and goes, and it seems to be going lots and lots more. Uh, and it's so much so, I have heard some people suggest that it may just be an act uh, to cover it. If it is, it is a dang good act because he's done the best acting that I have seen him do in his nearly 50 years in D.C. 
because he's been a terrible actor up to this, but he has the nuances of someone legitimately going through this cognitive decline. Uh, he's got all the nuances down. He, he's got a very talented acting coach, if it's just an act. I mean, I, he still has those moments of clarity. He's not so far gone that there's nothing of Joe left. He's not an entire, not entirely just a houseplant at this point. But I don't think it's going to be much longer until he is. Uh, news also broke that uh, he has confided in Barack Obama that he is planning on running for another term. So, you know, good luck with that. It's the Democratic Party's problem. Uh, and I don't think it's going to be America's problem because I don't think the same people are going to, you know, the folks that thought Joe Biden might actually be better than another term of Donald Trump. I don't think any of those people are going to make that same mistake again. Now, of course, there are always going to be the diehard party folks, the, the, the faithful, that this is part of their religion, and they have to, to go through all of the ceremony and all of the, the tradition and the, the activities that go along with being a faithful member of the party. And, of course, there's some folks that are just like, nope, can't vote for somebody that might put the country back on the right track. So, you know, there's a few folks like that. But for the most part, there's a lot of people. It's going to be very, very difficult to make any type of realistic shenanigan activity stick. It's going to be very hard for these folks to do anything again. They they may even have to... Uh, be very cautious because uh, word has it that while uh, Elon Musk is still having some difficulty uh, taking care of this Twitter deal, it's entirely possible he may decide to go ahead and purchase uh, Dominion voting uh, <laughs> services instead. And, you know, if, if that happens, uh, all bets are off, right? All right. <laughs> anyway, it, it is very, very sad, isn't it, though? Because, I mean, you literally had to put an operative incognito, and, and that's what they were – because there's no way that this lady in the Easter Bunny costume is not specifically listening for Joe to get in trouble. She's not going to magically appear just in time to shoo him away from the reporters as they're going to get him to spill the beans about Afghanistan. And something tells me there's probably a lot that still needs to be said about what actually transpired with this withdrawal. I would like to have known what would have come out of this. But, you know, again, Joe Biden has to be handled and wrangled and so on and so forth. So the Easter Bunny makes a major part of the news cycle. And, you know, with with everything else going on in the world, how sad is it that the Easter Bunny, in fact, does get that big of a portion of now three days of a news cycle? Because that's really where we're at now. There's still a ton of folks that are talking about what happened there, as evidenced by me talking about it right now. Uh, so, I don't know. It's just crazy stuff. Now, uh, this Taylor Lawrence bit, uh, you know, I mentioned a little earlier at the top of uh, top of the show here in this first segment about how I had actually mentioned by name the Twitter account libs of TikTok for the first time uh, in the last broadcast. And it literally was the very next day that all this broke loose. Now, 
I have heard a ton of other people talking about libs of TikTok. I have uh, seen mentions and, and full props given uh, everybody from Dan Bongino to Tucker Carlson to uh, Stupid Gear. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think for sure, but uh, several other conservative outlets have made reference. I mean, Laura Ingram has used them as a source quite often. And here's the thing. I made the point that uh, I didn't know who Libs of TikTok was. I was assuming a, a guy, but it may not be. Because, you know, it makes sense that a, a woman would be passionate enough to sit there and do the things that literally nobody else wants to do. It is kind of a standing joke, something that a lot of hosts like myself will say. In fact, I've said it a multitude of times when it comes to watching something so we can discuss it so that we can give you our take on it. Uh, like State of, Union, State of the Union addresses and uh, award ceremonies and, and things of that nature. We'll often say things like, okay, so we watched it so you didn't have to. This nice Jewish lady, and she's an Orthodox Jew, this nice Jewish lady actually was doing that for real. It wasn't just a joke for her. And it, it is utterly insane that this, this Washington Post reporter, young lady who's made her career observing internet culture and talking about uh, communications and tech and and just the internet she has spent a lot of time writing for the atlantic she used to write for the new york times now she's over at the washington post so she's done this and she's been doing basically the same thing but she also makes appearances all over the place and it was just a few weeks ago just a few weeks ago that miss lawrence one of the most attacked female reporters, one of the most attacked female journalists in the country. Just a few weeks ago, she was on MSNBC and literally broke down into tears, whining about what happens when people bully you online. She was calling for an end to the violence, and several of her would-be cohorts came to her defense when that mean old Tucker Carlson over there on Fox News uh, uh, played a clip of it and mocked her. But there's a reason why he was mocking her, and it wasn't because she had an emotional moment. It's because up until that point, she had made a career of doing exactly the things that she was complaining about. But here's the thing. When it comes to Miss Lawrence, she's a public figure. Now, that doesn't give you the green light to be as abusive as a lot of the things that I know she takes. Doesn't make it okay. But you put yourself out there, and somebody who studies, who covers the beat of internet and uh, social media culture, well, you're very familiar going into the comment section. You know what happens. And you also know that if you spent time looking at the comment sections uh, for people like myself, like Tucker Carlson that you all wanted to go after, uh, Ben Shapiro, Glenn Beck, uh, 
Mark Levin. You can randomly pick any host you want to. Or anybody uh, in politics like a Ron DeSantis, for example. You can pick any one of these people and then get into the uh, comment sections and what, look at what the left is doing. And it doesn't come close to the type of vitriol that you have received, ma'am. I, I promise you that. But your whole breakdown, your whole effort to go on and on about how terrible it is when these people uh, say and do these terrible things – and I don't disagree that it's that it isn't terrible. But you better than most first going into that arena knew what you were getting into. And yet you continue to push and you continue to do what you do. So at some point, the skin, if it wasn't that thick to begin with, certainly should be getting a bit thicker. You've been doing this long enough now, ma'am. That, that's ma'am. You've been doing this long enough as a professional journalist, obviously, using the air quotes, that you know that that's par for the course. And you should be at a point in your career where you just let that roll off your back. But you had your breakdown. So, okay, now every now and then, maybe it's not such a bad idea to, to let it to let it flow. Get it off your chest. Feel better about it. Come back renewed and stronger than ever prefer probably not to do it publicly unless unless that was just an act unless that was just for the benefit of the cameras at MSNBC so that all three of their viewers might feel some level of sympathy and that might carry over because you know if you have a breakdown like that you're going to get your name in some headlines you're going to move from being the reporter to being the reported story so maybe that was it and a lot of people have made such a big deal about the level of the hypocrisy, that this is a whole new level of hypocrisy. And we're talking about professional hypocrites here. We're talking about the political left in this country. And yes, unfortunately, an overwhelming majority of people that claim the mantle of journalists fall squarely right in the middle of that pack. They're not just trying to inform you of information. They are political activists. They are trying to control a narrative. They're trying to frame a narrative. They're trying to control how you think about whatever news story is coming down the pike, and they're trying to twist it into pushing their agenda, or they're choosing to ignore it. So yes, they are professional hypocrites. They are political activists. This is not news for anybody that's a regular listener of this show, for anybody that's paying the least bit of attention to the grand world of journalism. But there is a high level of hypocrisy here, and it's by design. You see, you're supposed to feel bad for this journalist. You're supposed to feel so bad for her because she's one of the most attacked female journalists in the country. I can't get that out of my head. I'm sorry. I, during some of the show prep, I came across a video of her complaining that she was visiting a podcast. And, oh, this is, this is so terrible. And that was kind of the whole deal. There's two primarily female journalists that are just head and shoulders above all the other female journalists in the country as far as uh, being attacked and hated. And, and they both had, were on this list. They were both number one and two before Tucker Carlson first called her out for her little breakdown on MSNBC. 
So, yes, one of the most hated female jokes. Because of misogyny, I might remind you. In case you didn't know, I guess I would just be informing you. But I would inform you or remind you, depending on your past level of information on the topic. Anyway, she did something far worse than what she was complaining about. See this nice Jewish lady? The purveyor of the Twitter account, Libs of TikTok. She was she was doing the work so we wouldn't have to. She was doing a lot of finding the actual leftists in this country who were on TikTok and who were simply posting of their own accord. No private accounts, nothing that they were trying to hide. It was all shared and and open for everyone. She committed the terrible, terrible sin of noticing them and then curating them for the rest of us. If something was specifically egregious or something was sufficiently ridiculous, she would share it. She didn't edit their posts. She didn't take anything out of context. She didn't do anything to try to make someone feel bad. She took people who, like myself right now, putting myself out there so the whole world can criticize or agree with freely. You know, that's part of the contract. I get behind this microphone. If I record it but never put it out anywhere, then that's just between me and my microphone and anybody I might accidentally share it with. But if I put it out for the whole world like this broadcast is being done, then it is out there and it is a, a living thing. And I, if I'm not expecting some type of negative feedback, some type of horrific comments coming my way, then I'm the one who's not been paying attention, and I'm the one who's being silly. I've made myself a public figure by doing so. Now, uh, granted, the level of fame may be much higher for the account libs of TikTok, but there was no fame associated with the person in control. This nice Jewish lady who's been accused of anti-LGBTQ activism, who's been accused of bigotry and hatred of people of color, although I don't see any of that present. All I see her doing is taking uh, several posts from multiple people who's put it out into the world, and she just collected it and put it together. So that somebody like Tucker Carlson, somebody like a Ben Shapiro, somebody like myself could go and just say, okay, here, here, oh my gosh, look at that, that's insane, okay, I'm going to get an audio clip of that. So we can do that, and we can collect, rather than go through, because I'm not going to download TikTok on any of my stuff, not going to do it. I fuss at one of my daughters for having TikTok uh, on her phone. It's like, you've got to stop that. And if you're going to do it, put it on a dang burner phone and make sure that none of your personal stuff is on there. No matter how many times they deny it, we know that it is an information pump for the Chinese Communist Party. So you have that, that utter ridiculousness. It's absurd. To cry and moan and go on. And you know, she seemed 
did Miss Lawrence. She seemed to be objectively in pain. Now, maybe she's just that good of an actress. Because like I said, it seems to be that was for her benefit to get some sympathy. I I don't imagine somebody who's been doing this as long as she has, and she's been doing it for a little bit, could still be that affected by the comment section. Could still be that affected by somebody. Now, if somebody issued a legitimate threat, okay, well, you should be concerned. But you also should turn that over to the police. And yeah, ah, oh, wait, she's part of the crowd that wants to defund the police. Uh, maybe she just needs to follow uh, Corey Bush's example and just hire private security. She can probably afford it after working for the Atlantic and the New York Times and now the Washington Post. In fact, Jeff Bezos could probably go ahead and hire a, a really good private security force for her directly and say it's part of the business expense for the Washington Post and then do it for a few other of the reporters there, the so-called journalists that are on the payroll there because they're probably going to need it before long once their loyal – readership figures out what a joke they all have been for so long and that they've been intentionally misleading them. I mean, Jeff, I, I, I hate to break it to you, brother, but Amazon, good idea. Uh, trying to control journalism, eh, bad idea. Especially at this point in time, the American people have just about had enough. But you see, it's important to understand that there's a reason why she had to be doxxed. It wasn't because of the accusations of uh, being anti-LGBTQ, although she literally, during the course of her article in the, where she doxxed this nice Jewish lady, and I keep saying that because while her name is out there, I don't want to add to anything as far as any lefty that might be listening and decide to, oh, I'm going to look it up you then go look it up somewhere else. I'm not doing your homework for you. But all you had to do is go to the Washington Post. Although they have removed now a link to uh, her uh, license, her real estate license. They removed that link from the article, but it was part of the article to begin with. A link to her real estate license that had her proper name and her home address in it. She's had to go into hiding, essentially. See, I was trying to make the point that Miss Lawrence has made herself a public figure. This nice Jewish lady had not. But you see, she she noticed what the left was doing. She noticed the effects of these leftist policies on people. She noticed that when the left is in their little echo chamber and they, they think it's just them among friends, they like to brag about the terrible things they're doing and in some cases things that aren't legal to do. And in lots of cases, even if it is technically legal, it's things that morally are so bankrupt that a majority of Democrat voters would stand up with a single voice and say, not here, not to my children, not in the schools I pay for, no. And so they can't have that. Some of these teachers bragging about how they teach gender theory to their first graders. Part of what she was doing was noticing. And then the other part was helping other people to notice. 
But this was the left in their own words. And part of it was so we could see how bat guano crazy some of these folks were so that we could we could laugh a little bit at first because some of it is pretty funny to sit and watch it to begin with until you stop and, and think for a few months that this person really believes what they're saying. And then it gets kind of sad. But you see, if you're going to laugh at these people, well, they are the authoritarians that they keep saying they're fighting against. Uh, there's a reason why Antifa is very much uh, the Tifa. They're not anti-fascist. They're very, very fascist. Literally everything they claim they're the opposite of. Black Lives Matter, they don't give a freaking flying flip about black lives uh, when it comes to folks living on the streets. All they really care is about you donating enough money for them to buy a mansion so they can have a creative outlet safe space. And then complain about the reporting rules for nonprofits because it puts it puts creative black lives at risk, says Miss Cooler. So really the only life at risk is her own because there's a really good chance that she might have done something illegal and might end up having to move from the safe space of the mansion she's bought with black lives contribution money. And trade all that in for uh, a slightly smaller, slightly more confined, less well-decorated accommodation. So naturally, we don't want to report that. See, the authoritarians don't want us to laugh at them. And they don't want us to know what they're really doing. It's not that much different than the reason they tell the lies about the don't say gay bill slash now law. And we'll get into the Florida bit. I'm actually running out of time. I, it's such a ridiculous story here. How do you, how do you confine yourself uh, nearly 45 minutes into this hour now? I haven't even got to the Florida versus Disney stuff yet. Let me uh, let me go ahead and get you a uh, Edwards notebook in, and then we're going to kind of skip the rest of the fanfare that typically goes with uh, taking the mid-hour break. Because I, you know, I want to try to get as much uh, time in here as I can. So uh, you guys, don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Once upon a time, the leftists demanded that government keep its concerns out of the bedroom. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, leftist perverted adults of past decades demanded that the government and society leave them alone to do whatever they wanted to do in the privacy of their bedrooms. So society backed off and even the church stopped promoting morality. But a a not-so-funny thing happened. The perverted ones flipped the script and are pushing all of their bedroom perversion onto society. Moreover, now big government, government school educators, the NEA, Planned Parenthood and disturbed leftist parents have all united to mentally and 
and spiritually ruin U.S. school children via morally depraved indoctrination into the ways of unnatural sexual practices and leftist political ideology. As a result, there has been a drastic uptick in the number of students exploring adult-oriented perversion foisted upon them by creepy adults who have gone on the warpath against parents seeking to train up their children in the way that they should go so that they do not depart according to godly principles. My fellow Americans, if our republic is to be restored to greatness, we must first rescue the children from those who want to fundamentally transform our republic into a dictatorship. I'm Ron Edwards. For Constitutional Grounds Coffee, go to theronedwards.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. My name's Joe Biden. All men and women created by the go, you know the you know the thing. Joe Brandon, I agree. I mean, he has made clear that uh, 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 lots of uh, walk around the world to ease my trouble. Now I'm thanking you. No, no. I promise you. The president has a big stick. I keep forgetting I'm president. All right, Joe, put the stick away. Put the stick away. Uh, and, and don't be sniffing any of the kids at the Easter egg roll. Uh, that's probably the real reason they had one of the comms directors uh, in the bunny suit to try and keep him away from the little girls with the pretty hair. Anyway, uh, we've got a, a short amount of time for the second segment. I've done it again, uh, as I often do. I get on a tangent. I get on a roll. And, you know, I, thank goodness – uh, I'm on independent uh, radio and then uh, the podcast here because if I was fitting into a, a regular schedule, I would just barely be getting warmed up. I could do the the form-fitted timing, eight-minute segments because I have before. I've done it uh, filling in for some other folks and uh, doing these things. In fact, uh, it's really good when you have a producer that's there that will keep you on it. But man, oh man, uh, when it's just here on Tap into the Truth, completely independent, they're rebroadcasting in major clips and they do their commercials in different uh, on a different time schedule. Uh, just wow. Uh, now, if you happen to be a business owner, however, and uh, you're in the area of one of the terrestrial radio stations that uh, carries a this program, and you would like to uh, help sponsor this particular show, then reach out. Be happy to uh, accommodate putting some of your ads uh, directly in the rolls and uh, uh, take an extra break. I don't have to do just a mid-hour break, that's for sure. And I may even start uh, doing some extension because I I think I need to have some bonus stuff on here anyway. Uh, Maybe start doing a three-hour show ever so often. That uh, where the second hour is going to be completely bonus content for uh, the uh, folks that are listening to the podcast. Uh, I have done that on occasion. We'll probably start doing that a little more regularly. Uh, The point is uh, you'll get the benefit of being aired locally. And uh, you'll also get some extra play from that. In the meanwhile, I want to remind everybody that uh, A.J. Rice has a brand new book that is scheduled to be released at the end of July. It's called The Woking Dead. Uh, There is a link in the show description if you're listening to the podcast, and there is a 
uh, Amazon button uh, on the homepage of Tap Into the Truth if you would like to go visit the pre-order uh, page on Amazon. I'd highly recommend you do it. It sends a strong message to those folks. Go check it out. Just just look at it. If you decide you, want, you do want to pre-order, then go right ahead. And don't forget, we will be giving away some of uh, those awesome, awesome books from AJ uh, in early August. After the book's released, I'll have a few. And all I'm asking you to do is to help share the show on various social media platforms. And just make sure you tag me. As you're sharing a link to a specific broadcast, uh, specific episodes, or to the show page, if you're listening on a platform like, I don't know, say iHeartRadio or, or Spotify, you can just put the show's page on those platforms. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, just tag me in it and uh, put out a blurb about can't wait to, to read The Woking Dead. Uh, you know, something along the lines of, hey, love listening to Tap Into the Truth. Check them out here. Blah, blah, blah. They, just that kind of thing. As long as you tag me and you're on one of the platforms that I can easily monitor you, which is most of them, if you tag me, uh, then you're going to be uh, in line to possibly win a drawing and be one of the fine, fine winners. You just, again, it's important that you let me know where you're listening to, though, because. I do want to make sure that there is at least one winner from KYAH, 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority's listening audience. At least one winner from uh, the last frequencies listening audience. Uh, at least one listener uh, at uh, Google Podcasts. At least one over at Spotify. At least one, And I'm saying at least one because after we do that, I have... Several copies this is going to be available. So you may have an opportunity to to be a second or a third winner from one of these platforms. So, again, just, just do, the, do the fun part, and that's active now. You can start sharing. A few folks are already taking a strong lead. The uh, only real rule after that is you can post once a day on each platform. And I would very much like for you to share a different link every time you do when it comes to the show. Or you can share the link to the pre-order page for uh, the book as well. That will work. Just make sure you tag me. Now, wow, uh, now I have just a smidge over 10 minutes. So if you were under a rock and maybe you didn't hear uh, today in Florida, special legislative session started. The Senate, uh, in the, the state Senate of uh, Florida, they were taking up a strong, hard look at trying to pass the new congressional district. And Ron DeSantis, just a couple of days ago, announced that he was going to include, add to the agenda, the removal of the special sanctions that basically allows Disney to self-regulate. If they want to build something on the property, they don't have to have a county building inspector show up. They don't have to go through all the red tape that every other business in the state has to do. If you've ever tried to add on uh, just sometimes a ramp to a deck, you come to realize that if you're inside certain municipalities, it takes months just to get somebody to come out and say yes or no. Now, I've not ever been a big fan of that if you're a property owner having to jump through hoops. 
I mean, I really not. It's like if, if you own the property, you ought to be able to do what you want to with the property within reason. You know, if you're in a crowded neighborhood, uh, then you shouldn't be involved in illicit activities or things that are harmful to your neighbors. But at the same time, if you want to add, uh, a, if you want to add a deck, and it's reasonable to do so, and you're going to be the only one walking on it, or anybody that visits you, why is that anybody else's business? Anyway, uh, this, of course, is uh, in direct response to Disney sticking their nose into this parental rights and education law. You know, the, the one that the mainstream legacy media keeps calling Don't Say Gay. I literally had a conversation just a couple of days ago at my day job with a very bright woman, a person that works at the same business that I do. She's in a different department and does a very different job than what I do. But very smart, and I talk to her just about every day. It's a relatively small company, so you know we, we get to have those conversations usually. And she literally thought, because she'd been watching the regular news on this, that they had tried to pass a law to say that you just can't say the word gay. That is legitimately what you would believe if the mainstream legacy media is the only information you get on the topic. That's how they put this. And they're still doubling down. They don't like the fact that DeSantis and the Republicans in the state of Florida aren't backing down. They're keeping their word that they're going to protect parental rights and try to protect the innocence of these children. And that is what they're trying to do. No matter what the left says, no matter what Jen Psaki, uh, Circle Back Psaki, Peppermint Patty of the uh, White House says and breaks down in tears because of how terrible this is going to be for all those poor children. The, the trans children, she's talking about all, all those poor trans children who are going to die because of this law. They're going to die because now their teacher can't come in and, and make part of the curriculum their activities that should never be mentioned in class for kindergartners through third grade. That's going to be killing children that are not possibly trans. Children that are not possibly gay. Children that are not possibly sexual yet at all and should not be treated as such. And anyone who says otherwise is up to something. Either they're trying to push an agenda or they are legitimately grooming. That's it. And I know the left hates that word, but it's a legit word. To give you an idea, the fact that the state senate of the state of Florida passed this new motion to remove Disney's special concessions led MSNBC anchor Nicole Wallace to accuse DeSantis of using dehumanization as a political tactic. Now, she, he's dehumanizing all those poor, terrible trans children who are going to die because, again, somebody give these people a freaking... Uh, Give them a stiff drink and set them down somewhere. They need to cool off. But uh, anyway, Nicole said that, uh, that DeSantis is dehumanizing these people, and he's using it as a political tactic 
and then went on to claim that there was no difference between what DeSantis is doing right now and Russia using dehumanization as a tactic to get soldiers to rape children in Ukraine. She literally said that. Nicole, there's a pretty big difference between protecting the innocence of children and protecting a parent's rights than sending Russians in to say, hello, first, you must find a moose and squirrel. But if no moose and squirrel, remember, Ukrainians, not real people, uh, go rape their children. Is that a thing that's actually happening, by the way? Or is that just some propaganda that she made up? I mean, I haven't, I have to admit, I have not been following the the every update and every report ever since we were warned that that we should just expect a nuclear strike at some point since uh, Zelensky told the world uh, last weekend it's not a question of if it's just a matter of when you know it's just at that point it's like I'm done I'm done the propaganda is too much Russia's not been very good at propaganda in this, and Zelensky's doing nothing but propaganda. Stop trying to guilt me into getting into a third world war. I care about the innocent people of Ukraine. I do not care about the Ukrainian government. I do not care about the corrupt Ukrainian uh, bureaucrats, and I don't care about the corrupt Ukrainian oligarchs who have been operating in and out of Europe and Russia with impunity for decades now. I'm not concerned about making sure that you get all these weapons. I am concerned about the fact that we seem to be sending a big chunk of our strategic oil supply to Europe. I mean, it was a pretty damn bad idea, dumb to dumb, 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 to go in and release anything out of our strategic reserve for us right now. So what happens when we do face that emergency and possibly need to use it? Oh, well, you know, it'd been great if it was still here, but uh, it's in Germany right now, or it's over in France. And the idea that Germany is going to cut off all purchases of Russian oil after the French election, just like we're going to see all these other changes after the midterm elections right here. There's a reason why those dates are conveniently just after those elections. Because they don't want you voting them out of place before they have a chance to lock down their great reset plans. Ron DeSantis, you keep going. And if Donald Trump decides that he's over it, that he's not going to run, then I certainly hope, uh, DeSantis, that you decide to go for it. Uh, I know some other folks have some different ideas, but he's a fighter and he's a winner. And... He's doing it the right way. That's going to have to be it for the first hour. So if you're listening on Terrestrial Radio, uh, I have to say goodbye to you now. But don't forget to tune in again at the same time tomorrow to hear the second hour of tonight's broadcast. In the meanwhile, you know, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort. And uh, most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Beyond that... One last message for Joe Biden before I go. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. You know what they say, Joe. Let's go, Brandon. 
estate plan Taught to praise the little man Told that unions saved the working class He was raised a red state son To love the flag and own a gun Warned about the greed within the mass They met beneath the moonlit sky A college party drunk and high And when they had degrees they said their vows He couldn't say when, he couldn't say how, he couldn't say why, she was different in his eyes. I'm Ron Edwards, host of The Edwards Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tapp and Tap Into the Truth. Is the president confident Hunter Biden didn't break the law? Of course the president's confident that his son didn't break the law. I'm rough like a freight train, smooth like ice, and you're just straight up. I think I can beat Mike Tyson. I know you're going to ask a really nice question. Well, it's, it's an important question, no, I think. Are you worried? that other leaders in the world are going to start to doubt that America is back if some of these big things that you say on the world stage keep getting walked back. What's getting walked back? It made it sound like, just in the last couple days, uh, it sounded like you told U.S. troops they were going to Ukraine. It sounded like you said it was possible the U.S. would use a chemical weapon, and it sounded like you were calling for regime change in Russia, and we know... None of the three occurred. None of the three occurred? None of the three. Mr. I was talking to a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in the, foot, 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 excuse me, in the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping, traveling with him. I guess we traveled 17,000 miles when I was vice president. I don't know that for a fact. Imagine had the tobacco industry been immune to, to being sued. Say is in a crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people try to cross the border. And politicians build a new world order. Too many minds are convinced they should be led I've got a big Free 
Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tap into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing. With all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, and I am coming to you from lovely, beautiful, scenic, and, you know, also historic Roan County, Tennessee. And yes, we are historic in the overall grand scheme of the state of Tennessee uh, because we did have within the confines of this county a city known as Kingston. And Kingston was capital of the state of Tennessee for one day. And that makes us historic. So take that, all you people that were doubting the historic veracity of Roan County. All right, so here we are. Uh, it is, for those of you that are listening to the rebroadcast, it is one of Elon Musk's favorite days of the year. Yes, it is April the 20th. And in case you're wondering what, what makes that his favorite, uh, if you just put numbers to that, it is 420 in 2022. So uh, 420, for those of you who are not familiar with the vernacular, and by now I find it very difficult to believe very many people are, just because we've been so saturated with the idea is uh, it's a marijuana joke, okay? Uh, evidently, uh, 420 is a time when most of the after-school stoners get their first chance to light up, and so it kind of became a thing in the culture and has since become a thing in the culture. What are you going to do? All right, so this is the second hour of a two-hour live broadcast that was taking place on the 20th, and uh, that's just why some of this may sound a little dated by the time you hear it. But remember, it was cutting edge at the time that I said it. In fact, I usually get a, a little bit ahead of most of the news agencies. In fact, tomorrow you're going to hear a lot of people talking about – well, tomorrow being the 21st, you're going to hear a lot of people talking about some of the things that I'm talking about next. And uh, we're going to start with the fact that uh, – one of the things that occurred in this little gap in time between you and I getting together is we had a federal judge that struck down the mask mandate on federal transportation. Well, there was this whole big rigmarole about whether or not uh, the Biden administration was going to uh, to try to appeal it or if they were going to kind of let it go. And, you know, take it as a half win and say, hey, you know what, for those of you that are crazy mask people who think you need to be wearing two or three masks and have eye protection on and, and you know, just continue to be afraid of a variant that right now uh, is about as deadly as a snowball, and I mean the hostess cake, which I suppose if you have a coconut allergy could be, but otherwise you're probably safe with a coconut. Uh, so you're probably safe with one of these little snowball hostess cakes. And hostess, by the way, I'm I'm throwing this out there free of charge. But if you want to kick in some advertising dollars, I would not turn it down. Anyway, after a initial phase of primarily no comment kind of deal, because they were, you know, uh, sticking their finger to their tongue uh, like that and putting their, their their finger up in the air to try and see which way the wind was blowing. And they still came away with a very wrong impression because, unfortunately for them, they're still stuck in that bubble. They're still stuck in their very own little echo chamber, and they can't seem to get out of their own way. They don't realize that the American people in mass are over the whole crap, and most of us are now on to the fact that you've been lying to us from the beginning. Now, a lot of us, particularly conservatives, the people that I typically associate with both online and on air – 
a lot of us were on to you early on because we noticed right away that all the recommendations that you were making didn't make any sense. You kept saying, follow the science, and yet there was no science that backed up the things you were having us do. There was just a lot of jumping through hoops and a lot of inconsistency and a lot of rules for thee but not for me actions going on. So it was pretty clear from the jump that you weren't that concerned about it uh, as a Democratic uh, office holder, particularly certain governors in certain blue states. It was pretty obvious you weren't particularly worried. And I do still find it humorous that Biden likes to he won't call him out by name, but he will be talking about the orange man who's bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist, his immediate predecessor. And in case you're wondering, that's Donald John Trump, just in case you're a leftist has accidentally come across the, the uh, show here. <coughs> we, we have this situation where he likes to point out how terrible things were with COVID that, that necessitated all these lockdowns. When in fact now, according to their counts, and I say that very specifically, and I say that with all that that could possibly intend, according to how they count COVID deaths, more people have died of COVID under Biden than they did under Trump. And that's a fun fact because most of the deaths that occurred because of COVID under Trump happened before there were the jab. So if you look at everything they say about how they're fighting it and what should work, then it makes no sense whatsoever that that anyone died after that. Because, you know, precautions. <laughs> anyway, with all that put to the side, uh, it, basically, we entered into this realm of, well, you know, the uh, the mask mandate on federal transportation is set to expire, but now there's a whole new round of COVID substrains that are running around, and, and one of them might accidentally get dangerous again or, or something. So, you know, two more weeks. Uh, ultimately, it was, this is the last thing that we're still able to maintain some level of control of at the federal level. We're not going to let it go. We'll never let you go. I feel like I'm watching Titanic. I'll never let you go, Jack. Well, then late yesterday, we started getting word that uh, the Biden administration is probably going to appeal it after all, when it kind of looked like maybe they were just going to let it go. Except their official announcement basically just kind of come around and said, well, you know, we'll appeal it if if that's what the CDC wants us to do. It's like, what? Now, it's important to understand there's essentially two rulings rolled into one from this uh, federal judge, a Trump appointee, which everyone on the left keeps pointing out, oh, she's one of those crazy Trumpsters. He's probably an insurrectionist, too. She wants us all to die. Uh, no, she wants you to follow the law. And that's something the CDC and the Biden administration and everybody else involved in this scenario has not done in this instance. See, the federal government didn't have the actual authority to do this. 
The CDC doesn't have the authority to put a writ moratorium in place. The CDC doesn't have the authority to uh, put a moratorium on having to pay student loans. And the CDC didn't have this authority either. In fact, you maybe can stretch it to the emergency uh, authorization, which is what they claimed. But see, here's the thing. When it comes to regulation and rulemaking from these administrative uh, states like the CDC or like the IRS or any of these other uh, parts of the uh, executive branch that is supposed to have certain levels of oversight, but they get to make up their own rules now because Congress refuses to do their job. Yeah, those those agencies, uh, the alphabet soups, if you will, for the most part. There's still a way that they are legally required to come up with new regulations, and they involve uh, proposals. It requires a comment period, and then it requires uh, Congress having a chance to look at it and decide if they're going to intervene. Now, see, that's part that most people don't realize is also part of the scenario, but that's in place for anything like a mask mandate, for example. So. She lays it out, uh, the very nice lady judge. She lays it out uh, in very clear language. I think it was like a 59-page uh, dis- decision that she issued. She lays it out very clear. It's like, first of all, the CDC did not follow the guideline rules for how they are legally permitted to come up with a regulation or a rule in the first place. And they didn't because there was no comment period, there was no proposal period, and there was no effort for congressional oversight to decide if they should be allowed to proceed or not. None of those things have happened. And then some people say, but Tim, you just said a minute ago uh, they used an emergency authorization, which the CDC does have that authority in regards to some things that are clearly under their jurisdiction. Now, it's a stretch to say they have authority over uh, transportation hubs in the country, but they use the argument that this was still about uh, the health of the country. So this nice lady judge lays it out. It's like you still don't have the right, no matter what the purpose is, no matter how good the intent was, whatever your purpose is, you don't have the legal authority to supersede how you are structured. You don't get to just to ignore the rules. You don't get to just ignore the law. You have to follow the protocols and procedures that are in place. This was a tool the left used frequently in trying to prevent Donald Trump from doing a lot of the things he wanted to do. Remember, they tried utilizing this same idea to stop the what they called the travel ban, which, of course, was just a moratorium on travel from certain state, states being foreign countries that had – Problems with terrorism and no real ability to vet. See, it was a postponement of travel till we could come up with a better way to vet from these countries. But the media called it a Muslim travel ban just because a number of countries that were involved on the list that they were putting this moratorium and travel on uh, happened to be predominantly Muslim. Now, I'm not going to say there's a direct relationship to predominantly Muslim and a problem with terrorism and not so great ways of vetting who these people are. Um, But it just so happens that a majority of countries that have those issues happen to be predominantly Muslim. 
Now, there were countries on this list of Trumps that weren't. They were not predominantly Muslim. They were still on the list because they had problems with terrorism and an inexplicably terrible ability to vet people. I walk up in a hijab and say my name is Khalil Destalali, and they're like, okay, good enough. Get on board the plane. Going to America, right? Yes. I mean, yes, must escape the tyranny of this place. It's terrible. I'm still so still looking for moose and squirrel. Did that guy's accent just change? It's not a guy. He's wearing a hijab. Well, I think he's a guy. He just identifies as... Anyway. So, uh, the long and the short of it here is the judge laid it out pretty clear. There is still some legal question as to whether or not the CDC truly had the authority to institute this mask mandate. But it was clear they had not followed the procedures in extending this mask mandate because even if you were to permit, if you were to allow for the emergency authorization of it and saying, okay, you got this, that still doesn't stop them from following the law and following the procedures uh, in retrospect. Say, okay, we've done this, but here's the proposed rule, and here's what we would like to continue doing after the emergency part of this passes. Because an emergency authorization like that is supposed to have a very tiny window in which it can be uh, fulfilled without an official rule being put in place. They completely ignored it. They passed the emergency part of it, and then they just didn't do any of the rest. So they have not followed the rules. They have not followed the laws in how they're allowed to do this, even if they did have the authority. So that part of the equation is done. So then uh, the Biden administration and the uh, Justice Department, they are like, um, well, you know what? If the CDC would like for us to appeal, basically just – Okay, well, you know, uh, should we take it? They were really getting pressure from the wackadoodles on the far left. Uh, we've still got to have three masks and be quadruple vaxxed and, and quintupled, uh, boosted, and, and put goggles on and a shield and the hazmat suit because otherwise the fact that that I've had COVID three times now and it nearly killed me once and it had nothing to do with the motorcycle accident because I couldn't see through the goggles. It just because... Okay, so you get what I'm saying, right? I'm stretching that a bit too far. Well, that was the message we got after that. It's like, okay, well, you know, we kind of think we might... Uh, but what does the CDC want us to do? Okay, a little word of advice. Joe, uh, dude, seriously, uh, you're the one who's supposed to be pushing policy. It's supposed to be you're the chief executive, okay? You're not supposed to be asking the CDC what you should do. You're supposed to be guiding and directing the CDC and helping to implement policy in as much as that's concerned. Now, they are supposed to have a certain level of independence so they can do their job. They're not supposed to be unduly influenced by your office. But unfortunately, if COVID has proven anything, it has shown us that 
every part of the executive branch is unduly influenced by whoever's sitting in the big chair or whoever's pulling the strings behind whoever's sitting in the big chair. It's pretty obvious. I, I, the second greatest doctor of all time, Dr. Anthony Fauci, has become one of the biggest political hacks of all time. Well, okay, he probably has been since the 80s, but he's been revealed to be one of the biggest political hacks of all time. Well, now we've come to a point where the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, a.k.a. the CDC, is officially requesting that the Department of Justice proceed with appealing the ruling by the federal judge in Florida that came down voiding Joe Biden's travel mask mandate on public transportation. Now, are we allowed at this point to call it Joe Biden's travel mask mandate? Because it's clear that it's the CDC's travel mask mandate on public transport. Anyway, uh, quoting here from a report, uh, to protect CDC's public health authority beyond the ongoing assessment announced last week, CDC has asked DOJ to proceed with an appeal in Health Freedom Defense Fund, Inc. uh, versus Biden. So basically the statement says, and I quote, it is CDC's continuing assessment that at this time, an order requiring masking in the indoor transportation corridor remains necessary for the public health. CDC will continue to monitor public health conditions to determine whether such an order remains necessary. CDC believes this is a lawful order well within CDC's legal authority to protect public health. So anyway, the statement from the CDC comes after the DOJ said in their statement on Tuesday that uh, it disagreed with the court's ruling and that it would file an appeal if the CDC said that masks were still needed. But why are the masks still needed? That seems to me to be the most important question to ask the CDC before asking them if they're still needed. Why would they be needed? Uh, are we now saying that they have to be form-fitted K95 masks, which are the only ones that are actually effective at stopping transmission of the virus as small as the COVID virus or any of the COVID virus family? Because the cloth mask, I don't care how many of them you put on, they're not really doing it. I mean, it might keep some of your spittle out of the air. But if you're a wet talker, you need to have your mouth shut on public transportation anyway. Nobody wants to take a bath when you're doing your dappy duck impersonation. Talking about how that's despicable. Good thing I've got the whole cover over the microphone. It just got very wet. Anyway, if that's you... Whatever. But you see, here's the other side of the equation that I'm not hearing very many people talk about. And that is the removal of the mandate does not remove your ability to choose for yourself if you wish to continue to mask up. It is not incumbent upon me to placate to your fears. If I'm on an airplane... 
I'd been one of the people raising hell about having to wear a mask in the first place because the freaking HEPA filters and the super ventilation systems that they have on these airplanes. Now, airplanes were never public transportation. The airlines were never a vector source of infection. Not once. It's not even been suggested or hinted at by any of the data. The closest thing you can find is people who came in close contact after having left a plane. So being on the plane doesn't require Having to pull the mask back up after uh, taking a, a nibble uh, of your in-flight peanuts or you know taking a sip of your ginger ale or if you're drinking an adult beverage or your first class. If you're doing one of these things, having to immediately uh, put that mask right back up because, you know, reasons. But, but what are the reasons? This was nothing more than a virtue signal and a control issue. You got the, the little good boys and girls that are virtue signaling out the wazoo right now about it. But nobody's telling you you have to not wear the mask if that makes you feel better. I... I have called multiple times for folks of the conservative ilk not to make fun of people who are choosing to wear the, the mask or the face guards or whatever because you truthfully don't know some of these folks might just happen to be among the people that have an immunocompromised uh, condition where they legitimately need to have that all the time. But guess what? Before COVID came along, those same people, those immunocompromised folks, they were taking trips and public transportation, and they were taking precautions. They didn't expect everyone else to take the same precautions. So your argument about, don't you care enough about your family? No. No, I do not. I am cold, cruel, and evilly calculating. Of course I care about my fellow man, but Ultimately, if it's not safe for them to travel publicly with me not wearing the mask, then it's not safe for them to travel, period. And they should plan accordingly. You shouldn't expect the whole world to bow to your wishes, especially if you happen to be an American in America. I do not expect... If I was to travel to Dubai to suddenly see anywhere that I am present that they just suddenly completely adopt free speech and start treating women like equals and all those other great American things that do happen despite the denials of that by the left. I don't expect it because I know it's not going to happen. I don't travel down to Tijuana and suddenly expect that all the locals start speaking English. Now, I know a few of them are going to because they're trying to make a quick buck off of me, but I also know that they're instantly going back to speaking Spanish as soon as it suits them or as soon as they're talking to someone else from from there. You can travel to France. Pretty sure they're not going to suddenly start speaking in English just because I asked. Again, somebody who might be in the service industry who works in a high American tourist area may do so as a convenience but one should not expect it. So you, my dear leftist friend, should not expect us to adopt your culture of fear. Because, see, the great thing about being American is deeply ingrained in your DNA is this fearlessness 
Now you've been trying to to beat us down. You've been trying to drive it out of the American DNA for a while, and you've been marginally successful. Your efforts have led to the creation of the Soy Boys. Your efforts have led to the creation of the concept, the notion of toxic masculinity. Your efforts have led to people hiding in a basement and then saying they won an election for president after having hidden said basement for months. And, and you know, you can't say that uh, Biden didn't learn from the mistakes of Hillary Clinton because, you know, again, Hillary's poll numbers went up the less people saw and heard from her. And then she'd make a public appearance and then whoop, right back down in the basement. So just hide in the basement. Yeah. So we're back to the question. The question being why. Why? What numbers have you concerned? And, and you know, I, I was under the impression that these guys have made this push to change how all this is counted. Because now all of a sudden, now that Joe Biden and, and Democrats are on the hook for having to take responsibility for this, now they realize they need to change how they count stuff. They need to realize that, well, the number of infections isn't nearly as important as the number of hospitalizations and the number of deaths. And and now suddenly it's way more important to know how many of these people are dying of COVID compared to just simply dying with COVID. Because it's entirely possible to have a heart attack while you happen to have caught COVID. It's entirely possible to be in a train wreck, especially if Joe got confused and was trying to be the engineer. Uh, be in a train wreck, die from a uh, derailment and uh, just happen to have COVID. Completely understanding that there again, and I will point this out, I think this is like the 200th time or something in that neighborhood, that the most recent subvariants of COVID are so, so horrific that they call it stealth COVID. Because the people that are testing positive with it have had zero symptoms. Zero symptoms. My, how dangerous that is. All right, I better take the mid-hour break. I'm pretty much on time this time because, you know, I just about didn't do it at all back in the first hour. So uh, we'll do that right about now, and we'll sneak in another uh, another Edwards notebook while we're at it. Uh, talk to my good friend Ron for a minute and uh, give him a good listen. At the end of all this, though, the final thought here is the CDC wants power. The DOJ wants power. The administration wants power. The Democratic Party wants power. And they just don't want to leave us alone. And they don't care what the federal courts say unless they're agreeing with them. Isn't that just a juxtaposition? I'll be back right after this. Don't go anywhere.
Once upon a time, the leftists demanded that government keep its concerns out of the bedroom. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, leftist perverted adults of past decades demanded that the government and society leave them alone to do whatever they wanted to do in the privacy of their bedrooms. So society backed off and even the church stopped promoting morality. But a a not-so-funny thing happened. The perverted ones flipped the script and are pushing all of their bedroom perversion onto society. Moreover, now big government, government school educators, the NEA, Planned Parenthood, and disturbed leftist parents have all united to mentally and spiritually ruin U.S. school children via morally depraved indoctrination into the ways of unnatural sexual practices and leftist political ideology. As a result, there has been a drastic uptick in the number of students exploring adult-oriented perversion foisted upon them by creepy adults who have gone on the warpath against parents seeking to train up their children in the way that they should go so that they do not depart according to godly principles. My fellow Americans, if our republic is to be restored to greatness, we must first rescue the children from those who want to fundamentally transform our republic into a dictatorship. I'm Ron Edwards. For Constitutional Grounds Coffee, go to theronedwards.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Things that you say on the world stage keep getting walked back. What's getting walked back? It made it sound like, just in the last couple days, uh, it sounded like you told U.S. troops they were going to Ukraine. It sounded like you said it was possible the U.S. would use a chemical weapon, and it sounded like you were calling for regime change in Russia, and we know... None of the three occurred. None of the three occurred? None of the three. With the Ukrainian people, Ukrainian people have a lot of backbone. They have a lot of guts, and I'm sure you're observing it. And I don't mean just the military, which is we've been trained in since back when they uh, Russia moved into uh, in, in the southeast southeast um, Ukraine, but also the average citizen. Look at how they're stepping up. Look at how they're stepping up. And you're going to see when you're there. And some of you've been there. And we know none of the three occurred. Weapons could, if chemical weapons were used in Ukraine, would that trigger a military response from NATO? It would. It would trigger a response in kind. And we know none of the three occurred. For God's sake, this man cannot remain power. And we know none of the three occurred. Everything is awesome. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in the foot, 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 excuse me, in the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping, traveling with him. I guess we traveled 17,000 miles when I was vice president. I don't know that for a fact. Everything is awesome. Imagine had the tobacco industry been immune to process to being sued. Come on. So when babies are born, the doctor looks at them and they make a guess about whether the baby is a boy or a girl based on what they look like. And most of the time, that guess is 100% correct. There are no issues whatsoever. Um, But sometimes the doctor is wrong. The doctor makes an incorrect guess. Um, When the doctor makes a correct guess, that's when a person is called cisgender. When a doctor's guess is wrong, that's when they are transgender. Everything is awesome. So tired of trickle-down economics. I, I never found that trickle-down on top of my head very much. 
I was listed, I was had the great pleasure of being listed as the poorest man in Congress for 36 years. I still had making a hell of a lot more money than anybody else because I was getting a senator's salary. No kidding. I didn't think you should make money while you're in office. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. I'm Ron Edwards, host of the Edwards Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap into the Truth. So, what do you think, guys? Are you, uh, are you waking up from history just yet? Because uh, if you haven't, uh, it is time. It is past time. It's time to wake up instead of being woke. Stop being woke. Start getting awake. Got to fight the, the Great Reset. Got to fight ESG scoring. Got to fight uh, constantly spending and wasting trillions and trillions of more dollars. Stop giving away our strategic oil supply and uh, get back to energy independence. Stop all of the crap that these people are putting in place derived and designed with a specific plan that is going to make sure that by 2032 we own nothing and we like it. That's their words, not mine. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to remind you that uh, you will find in today's show description a link to Hero Soap. And the reason why you will find a link to Hero Soap is because after talking about a lot of these things, especially uh, what the left is up to when it comes to our kids, um, you just get to where you feel so dirty. There's there's not enough not enough showers to, to make you feel clean again. You've just got to get it all out of your system, and nothing's going to help you get cleaner than Hero Soap. No artificial detergents, no artificial fragrances, uh, just essential oils and plant derivatives. It's all the best stuff. Plus, they're one of the most America-first companies I know. If you haven't checked them out yet, follow the link in the show description and visit Hero Soap Company and see everything they have to offer. And while you're at it, go ahead and sign up for a subscription. Uh, you will not regret it. Uh, and I'm asking that you follow the link in the ship description by, if the whole link is live, you can go ahead and click it. But if part of the link isn't live, then please just copy the whole link and then paste it into your web browser and go visit from there and check out everything they've got to offer. If you decide not to make a purchase, fair enough. But uh, if you do and you use that link, then they're going to know that I sent you. And, you know, then I get just a little tiny commission uh, for getting you guys together. And, uh, you know, that's just a nice way to support the show and get clean. And again, if you're in this fight, you're going to need to get clean. Also, want to remind you about A.J. Rice's upcoming book, The Woking Dead. I definitely want to send you in the direction of the Amazon pre-order page. 
by pre-ordering, you're sending a strong message to the left in this country, to the globalist elitist, and you're sending a pretty strong message to Amazon itself about the kind of content and the items you like to buy there. On top of that, uh, you know, you're also helping the publishers to know how many copies they probably ought to print uh, for each edition. So, yeah, you're kind of helping to uh, support yeah, free market economy type stuff. So as a listener of this show, I'm imagining that you like that. So again, uh, the link in the show description, uh, copy the whole thing, paste it in your web browser, or you can come visit me at tapintothetruth.com. That's T-A-P-P, into the truth, all one word, dot com. And from there, you can kind of scroll down once you land on that homepage. Once you get past recent guests, you will see for yourself uh, banners and buttons, uh, all of which, if you decide to push, will take you there, and it'll let them know that I sent you, thereby helping you to get the things you want, them to get a new customer and you, and uh, me to get a little support for the show. And, man, uh, going to need it. All right, so we were talking back in the first segment of the second hour of today's broadcast about how the CDC seems to be telling the DOJ what to do because Joe Biden is, well, he's out to lunch, or at least having a pudding snack before bedtime. But you see, that's not the only thing that we've got going on. There was a reason why I specifically mentioned various plans of the government. Uh, a lot of the things that Barack himself had wanted to do, but he, like the left for hundreds of years believed you had to move slow. You had to distract with the left hand while you manipulated things in your direction with the right hand. But you see, the left's gotten impatient, at least here in the States, and they're starting to overplay their hand and they're making everything obvious. But they still have these folks that are pretending as if nothing's wrong. And they utilize social media sites like Twitter and uh, the mainstream legacy media like MSNBC and CNN to try and uh, push these narratives and convince you that that you're not living in 1984, the novel, that you're not living in a brave new world, that you're not living on the animal farm as far as that's concerned. But yes, you unfortunately are living in a strange conglomeration of of all three of those and a few other dystopian novels. They have an agenda. They have goals. And they tipped their hand once again back on April 14th. See, that's the day that the Biden administration unleashed a, well, what they called, quote, a total transformation of government. Uh, at least that's how it was described by the Department of Energy. Uh, this this total transformation, uh, it seems to be based on the principles of critical race theory, that racial essentialism I keep trying to tell you about. Now, toward that end, more than 90 federal agencies announced, quote, equity action plans. Now, these equity action plans, they're supposedly meant to address inequity in American society. But critics like myself say that the plans will create a coercive bureaucracy intent on punishing certain Americans based on 
racial Marxism, and other progressive ideas that championed the left's big idea of victimhood. How do you get all these people to step outside of what benefits them the most? To, to forget about their self... Uh, well, you, you convince them that they're victims and that the only solution is to go through some pain to get to the other side. Now, the White Horse... The White Horse. The White House enunciation being important when you are engaging in verbal communication. So the White House recently noted that on its first day in office, uh, the the guy, you know, the Operation P-Pads, part of Operation P-Pads and Knee-Pads, uh, barely there, Beijing Biden. And in his first day in office, he signed Executive Order 13985. That's officially called Advancing Racial Equity and Support for Underserved Communities Through the Federal Government, which, of course, directed the whole of the federal government to advance a rather ambitious equity and racial justice agenda, one that, uh, quoting here, focused on creating prosperity, dignity, and equity for underserved communities. Now, Ryan uh, Gerdeski, founder of the 1776 Project PAC, uh, a previous guest on the show, well, he focused on... Uh, he, the, the, let, me, let me rephrase. He's the founder of the 1776 Project PAC, that happens to be a nonprofit that's focused on electing school board members opposed to critical race theory inspired curriculum. Now, he was speaking uh, with the news outlet, The Daily Wire, and he said that uh, the Biden administration's plan towards equity is race based Marxism with a different word. The entire program, quoting uh, Ryan now, the entire program is set to lower standards, to dilute mediocrity, and to have the first large-scale government-supported laws that discriminate against people based on their race since before Eisenhower was president. Indeed, the Department of Energy explained in its equity action plan, which they released last week, that it's already started considering factors other than technical merit when doling out financial assistance via a pilot program through the Office of Energy Efficiency and Renewable Energy. Starting back in March of 2021, applicants seeking research and development funding from the EERE have had to uh, issue diversity, equity, and inclusion statements for their projects on their applications. The purpose of those statements are, of course, to explain how their project would help to include underserved communities, which, of course, is taken to mean minorities, non-white, non-heterosexual, non-male groups, in order to be considered for the taxpayer-funded grants. So you got to be one of the specials among the specials, and you certainly can't be, I don't know, somebody like me, a white heterosexual Christian. That's not allowed. In fact, I'm the only one uh, who 
while is simultaneously ineligible to receive those grants, is expected to earn the money to pay the taxes to help fund those grants. So, you know, not just me, singularly the only one, but anybody in the same group. All right, so uh, beginning in the fiscal year of 2022, all applicants seeking funding opportunities through the agency must include at least one DEI-specific program policy factor. This, of course, is a move that will, quote, allow the DOE to prioritize equity-related factors in awarding financial assistance. Forget the merit of the program. Forget how many Americans in general may be have their lives improved by the projects that these people are hoping to get the funding and grant money to do. None of that matters. What matters is how does it help the, the, the people of the underserved communities? If you can't at least give me three reasons uh, of how it does that, then uh, sorry, you would not be approved, even though it would have been great to do these projects. It's, it's absolutely crazy. Uh, again, quoting here this from the Department of Energy. Quote, program policy factors allows the selecting officials the flexibility to consider factors other than technical merit. Meaning, we don't care how good the program is. It just give us something we can feed to the minorities. America's top scientists and engineers must if they want to get some of these grants, must incorporate progressive ideas about race. They must incorporate progressive ideas about sexuality, progressive ideas about gender, progressive ideas about other factors that, of course, fall into the agenda toujours. They have to incorporate these factors into their business model and their scientific research plans in order to be considered for taxpayer-funded money. Kind of looks like those plans must actually show that they will benefit non-white or non-straight or minority groups in order to fulfill the goals of the Equity Action Plan. So if you're not actively discriminating against white males, then there's no dice. The plan also notes from the Department of Energy that this new guidance, uh, according to them, it's going to ensure that when all other aspects such as technical merit are considered equal, programs can, uh, can select applicants that broaden the diversity of institutions and individuals who are awarded Department of Energy R&D funding. Translation, if you got two great projects, but one might help an additional person of color, well, then that's the one that's going to get it in the other program. Sorry. Great program. I hope you find a way to fund it. We have no interest. But it would actually help more people overall, especially in a community of the underserved I see. We we don't buy it. It's not in your statement properly. I mean, we're literally talking about under this particular framework, 
the government would prefer research and development research and development applicants to be equally mediocre in their energy innovations while having quality diversity, equity, inclusion statements rather than have a handful of exceptional innovative applicants without the DEI statements. The more exceptional applicants in that scenario would be discriminated against because they refuse to submit the DEI statement. Thus, just like Kurdusky pointed out, the diluting of merit in America comes to fruition in Biden's America and for years to come. Stanford professor Victor Davis Hansen, also a former guest on the show, uh, he explained that the transition to equity away from equality is intentionally done to increase government power and advance leftist ideology. A statement that I've been making here for a while. I'm not the only one. Uh, Victor uh, has a more profound and impactful way of putting it, though. He says that equity is an American idea of equality and fairness and opportunity. Now, that's equality. Equality is an American idea of e equality and fairness and opportunity. Equity is a French revolutionary idea of equality of result mandated by a coercive government. Now, equity is the code for an elite professional and bureaucrat class to gain more influence, more money, and more power by forcing all people to be equal no matter of their circumstances or behavior. Now, as explained by the Department of Energy, Biden has initiated the total transformation of the government into an entity that centers the concerns of black, indigenous, and people of color and underserved communities. As for what that entails for the American people, well, looking back at Victor Hansen, he says uh, that it's uh, it simply means that in reductionist fashion, any inequality is due to racism or bias, and the government must have the wisdom and the morality to punish perceived victimizers and redistribute to supposed victims. All else does not count, not merit, not health, not class, not work ethic, not family structures, not culture, not anything else except for the elite in charge will always be exempt from the ramifications of their own equity ideology. So taken all together, it's clear that the equity action plans are covert vehicles for implementing critical theory in a way that would fundamentally alter the American way of life, which is the entire point. In CRT's equity, but demands race-based discrimination. Because systemic racism has produced disparities between the races, and because the system will only deepen the, these disparities by rewarding the wrong criteria, 
government must treat individual Americans unequally according to skin color to forcibly produce equal outcomes. This from the Heritage Foundation. Advocating equity over equality is part of the racial essentialism section of CRT. It's literally the complete abandonment of the idea that Americans should be treated as individuals by the government. That individual liberties and freedom, that protection, that these are the tenets. And right now, because of this edict, now more than 90 federal agencies under Biden have seeked to institutionalize this form of discrimination. And there's only one proper response to that. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, Remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. I'm out, y'all.
is using both hands. <laughs> <laughs> 